0: What an amazing song and what a declaration. The world can wait. I want to be a little longer in your presence. And before I say anything else to you today, I want to say that if we make that our greatest prayer, that the world can wait, I just want to be with Jesus for a little longer. I just want to hear Him. I want to spend time with Him a little longer. I believe our lives will in fact flourish in everything that He has. For us. This morning I am holding back with a whole lot of passion in my heart to share the word with you and I somewhat some feel a little bit like the Apostle Paul that wrote these letters to the churches and then he says I wish that I was with you so that I could impart something to you. But I have such faith even in the topic of what we're going to look at today that God is in this and even though this is pre-recorded and you're watching it on Sunday morning or later on in the week that God is in the midst of it because it's still His Word and His Spirit is still working over it at all times. So open up your heart today as we open up the Word to say, Lord, will you come and impart something in me? Over the weeks, we've done a lot through our prayer course, through the teaching here, and a couple of weeks ago, I shared about praying in the Word. Last week, I shared about praying with community, finding our corner, those who are with us in the battle, And uh, Today, I want to talk about something that I mentioned last week, just briefly, when I spoke about the two gloves. If you haven't seen it, I would strongly want to encourage you to go back and, and watch last week's message to really understand the essence of the gloves and the analogy within it. But I spoke about the intercession of Jesus and then the intercession of the Holy Spirit in prayer. And today, I want us to go back to this the intercession of the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit as our topic for today. Now Emma Bell and Martin has done great in already preparing our hearts but what I want to do is it kind of makes me think of in the Smith's house when we hear a new song of one of our favorite artists we, we kind of nerd out on it. It's just loud on the radio and we watch the music video if it is watchable. Might just add that? And then we listen to the music again. But then there's usually this moment somewhere in the song where we we're like, have you heard this section? And how amazing the musicians are playing that and the drum beat here. Or I love what the vocals are doing there. It's just what we do in our house. Um, if you want music appreciation, you can come to our house once. Just let us know. But we always go back to some reference points in the song, to really lean in to what's happening in the music there. And, and I want to kind of invite you to that. When we talk about leaning into what it means that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us and how we pray in the Spirit, we're going to be looking at a part of prayer that, that I believe is beautifully intricate but so inspiring and so full of like life like we find in these songs that we listen to. Now, I'm aware today that there are various tunes out there of opinion on this subject. And I don't know what tune you have been listening to, but I want us to listen to the tune of the Word again. Reading the Word, seeing what it says in the Word, believing the Word for what it is, and applying the Word. As an every-nation church, we are people of the Word, and we are people of the Holy Spirit. We believe in both. We, we believe in the fullness of both. We believe in the balance of both. And, and my prayer is today, as we look in this, into this topic, that it would not just be another moment of just reading the Word and understanding the Word with our minds and, and in, in a cerebral manner, but, but that we would allow the Holy Spirit and His fullness to minister to our hearts as well. You see, praying in the Spirit, to me, is more than just praying. It's truly about friendship with the Holy Spirit. It's coming to a place in my relationship with the Holy Spirit, the person of the the Trinity of God, of the Godhead, and my relationship with Him and becoming friends with Him and leaning into His heart and His understanding and His intercessions for me and for the church and wherever else I'm praying for. So my invitation is more than just looking at the Word and, and applying what we learn, but it's an invitation into friendship with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was asked about the practices of worship in John chapter 4, he's in in communication with a Samaritan woman, and she quickly wants to figure out how do we worship properly. And probably in her mind she was only thinking of practical practices. She actually says, like your people say we worship like this, my people say we worship like that, who is correct And Jesus came with a stunning statement. He said this, God is spirit. Just going to read that again. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now I've put the word proskuneo in there after the word worship. Which is the correct original language used for the word worship here. God is spirit. And those who worship Him, proskuneo, should worship Him, proskuneo, in spirit and truth. That word actually means bowing the knee in front of Him. And later on, where we're going to go today in Scripture, when, when Paul speaks about praying in the Spirit, he uses the exact same word. He uses proskuneo, the root word of worship and prayer, as an interchangeable word here. So Jesus says, that those who worship, those who bow the knee, and Paul later on, when I pray, when I new, I do in the Spirit, is saying our prayers should be word-based and truth-based, and our prayers should also be Spirit-based. Our challenge really is that we live in reality in two worlds. We live in the natural world, and we live in the spiritual world at the same time. The natural world we would easily call truth, it is the truth that I'm sitting on a couch. It is the truth that there's a video recording that you're going to see at a certain time because of software and all the details and science behind it. There's so much that we can call truth today because it is our literal, natural reality about around us that we can see. And the word of God is truth because we read it and we have it. But then there's also the spiritual world where our spirits connect with God who is spirit. And oftentimes... and Maybe more than it should in our prayer journey, we forget about that world and engaging that world. All of us have a bent, I believe, for either of the two. For the word or the truth aspect and for the spirit. But I believe Jesus didn't say word in a certain percentage and then spirit. And now he said these two should be, should be practiced, should be proscenuished, should be prayed, should be worshipped in both, both equal measures. And that's really my heart today, to that you would ask the Lord, maybe you are strong in praying in the Word, maybe you are strong in praying in community, but maybe there's this new aspect to you, or maybe an aspect of all that you have neglected of the Lord saying, hey, I want you to pray in the Spirit as well. Now, to, better, to, to help us better understand this, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and as you turn your Bibles there, I want to tell a quick story from my own life. That has really opened up my eyes to the spiritual world. In 2004, when we were at the Bible school that we attended, Helena and I were just newlyweds, and we were leading a ministry team to East London, Eastern Cape. I wish it was East London in Europe, but it was just East London, Eastern Cape. And um, we were on a campsite, and the campsite was, was there to reach out to children from... Uh, impoverished communities. And we went as a ministry school, as a team, and and I was leading this team, and the purpose was purely to create environments of worship for these children, to do some discipleship with them, spend time with them, just, just become friends with them, and just minister them for four or five days. And I would not forget this, because this is really the moment that I, I, I thought that I saw into the spiritual world for the first time. The first night, the opening night, we, we had to minister, and the Lord gave me a very strong word for these youngsters about being the light of the world. And, and as it is, as we got up to start playing the music, the electricity of the whole campsite tripped, and we had load shedding. Nothing we can do. We tried all the, 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 the switches, and we tried to keep the kids calm in the dark. And next moment, there's candles in the room, and we didn't get to the worship part And some part of me was kind of disappointed because I love worship, first of all, but there's something beautiful in the musical aspect of our worship that prepares us for the Word. But I was saying, Lord, I don't have my notes. It's dark. We have a few candles. The plan is all messed up. What are you saying? And then the Lord said, Pierre, look at the candle and think about the message again. And then in that moment, God really empowered me by the Spirit to minister to these kids in a profound way. We ended up praying for them. We ended up seeing the Lord ministering beautifully to these kids and as the night was finished and the kids left the room, I walked out of the back door of this community hall that we were in, and as I walked out, I saw an evil spirit right in front of me, looking at me straight in the face, and when I saw this thing, for a moment I was afraid, and I looked around, is anyone else seeing this, but it was just me seeing it, and I saw this looking at me and saying, I'm going to get you, and then it disappeared. So as I've been kind of taught up until that point, I didn't give it that much attention. I just said, Jesus, I'm a little bit freaked out. <laughs> this is weird. Whatever that was, in Jesus' name, I prayed that I'd be fine. What happened is the next day I got down with a fever like I've never had in my life ever before. It was the kind of fever that makes you hallucinate crazy stuff. And I was in a room and the multiple times that I felt like I am dying now. And I'm like, can someone just call Eliana to come and sit with me? Because it feels like it's the end. has been crazy. But then there were moments where I just opened up the Bible and I prayed the truth. And then there were moments where I didn't know what to pray. And I just said, Spirit of God, help me. It's dark. I feel like death is trying to get the better of me. All the students were praying for me. All the leaders were praying for me. And nothing changed. That carried on for four full days. At one point, they took me off the campsite and took me to one of the, the church leaders' house so that I could just have a comfortable place to sleep and fight this fever. No medication, went to the doctor, there's nothing he could do for me. The medication he gave me didn't work. This fever wouldn't leave me. And then on the last day, we've set out to do a moment of baptizing people. And I promise you guys, it was an amazing experience. I was still carrying fever in my body and And I wanted to baptize a couple of these people. Some of them my own friends that had the revelation of what it is to be baptized. And I walked into the mouth, the river mouth, into the ocean. Beautiful place. And as I walked into the the river, I was shivering from the cold fever, fever still gripping me. And we started baptizing the one after the other. And I didn't realize that as this baptism service continued that I started feeling better. As I left the water... I felt like a brand new person. The fever was gone. My energy was back. All the fatigue was out of my body. And I'm sharing that with you to link it to what we're going to read in a moment. Because sometimes we get so stuck in the natural world that we forget that the reality is we live in a spiritual world. So Ephesians 6 verse 10. Let's read together. It will be up on the screen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. with with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Now you've just read this, and I want to ask you a question without looking at the Scriptures again. What was the final element in the armor of God? It's a little bit of a Bible quiz moment. Think about it. If you're in the room, let someone answer. But what was the final thing in the armor of God that we are encouraged to apply? I'm going to read it again. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. I want to say to us today that our armor is incomplete without prayer in the Spirit. Yes, we've got the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the word, the shoes of readiness. We've got the helmet of salvation. But then Paul ends and says, you have all these things, but then you have your mouth. You have your voice. You have prayer. You have worship. You have proskynu. You have everything inside of your spirit to bring to the battle that you face. And our mouth is both an offensive and a defensive weapon in the arsenal in this fight that we're fighting in this spiritual world maybe you've never seen it like that maybe you've stopped with the sword of the spirit but praying is part of the full armor of God and he encourages us to wear the full armor but not just praying praying in the spirit you see even Jesus modeled this in how we addressed the enemy when he was faced with the enemy Paul taught this in so many letters. He says, pray for me, pray in the Spirit, pray that the Spirit will give me utterance, pray that the Spirit will give me boldness. And I want to encourage us today in praying in the Spirit by looking at this verse and and showing you three ways in which we pray in the Spirit. The first one is simply the sword of the Spirit. I love that we aren't left guessing here what the sword of the Spirit is. (laughs) He says, He says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And a couple of weeks ago, I preached on this. And I'm not going to spend much time on that because we went through that. Where We say, when we pray the Word, there's power behind our prayers that are different. So the Word and the Spirit comes together in these prayer moments. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit fighting the battle for us. I mean, just look at Jesus. He was faced with temptation He was faced in the war against the enemy, trying to dethrone him in his purposes and and send him away in his pursuit of what it is that he was meant to do in this earth. And when he was in that battle, he was using the sword of the Spirit to respond. Let's read together. And the tempter came and said to him, to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The sword of the Spirit is us saying... It is written, enemy. It is written, spiritual world. This is what the Bible says. And we come with the defensive and with the offensive. Sometimes the Spirit shows us what the enemy is trying to do and he reminds us of scriptures. And we get to pray into things before they even take place because we have the Spirit. At other times when the attacks are strong, when the lies are strong, when we're feeling this opposition, we open up the Word and we wield the Word of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, and we use this in our battle. But secondly, there's another way in praying in the Spirit that we see. And that is silence in the Spirit. And Emma Bell and Martin shared a little bit about this. But the way I see this is that the Holy Spirit is our partner in prayer. He is helping us to pray when we don't know what to pray or what words to pray. I don't know about you, but for me, There's been multiple times where I sense in my heart something is not good, something is not right, and I'm clueless. I'm like, what is this? What do I need to do? What do I need to pray? What's up? What's happening? And it's in those moments that I believe the Holy Spirit steps in, and it's in the silence of connecting with Him that we pray. And I'm going to show you in a moment practically what that looks like, but let's read about this again in Romans 8. It says, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. There it is, through the silence, through not forming exact words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit of God intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So all this means is that there are times when our spirit is simply connecting with God The Spirit of God, we don't even have to use words, and that is praying in the Spirit. It's those groanless words and and wordless groans. Sorry, groanless words, wordless groans. And if you look at the original language, it says it's like a sigh, like a... Now, in our house, there are sometimes a lot of sighing. But because of my friendship with Eliana and her friendship with me, Sometimes when I sigh, she knows exactly what's up because she knows me that well. <laughs> sometimes when she sighs, I'm like, oh yeah, there's something that I quickly need to get up and go and help with because I can hear in the tone of the sigh that she needs my help. And in the same way, that's how the Holy Spirit is wanting to befriend us and pray. That sometimes we sit for a minute or two, sometimes for a few seconds and we, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to pray, but I'm here. And you might just like, release that onto Him. And then you wait for a moment or two and your mind starts thinking about a verse in the Bible or there's something else that happens in your spirit and then there's that connection. Praying in the Spirit simply means to be quiet sometimes and let Him do the intercession that we need because He always most certainly prays according to the will of God for us. So praying in the Spirit is praying with the Word. Praying in the Spirit is... Sometimes just those groanless words, those sighs that we bring to Him in our friendship. But then the third aspect is praying in the Spirit is also speaking in the Spirit. And by this I mean praying in tongues. By this I mean using our mouths to pray in a heavenly language. Now, I'm quite aware as I say this, there are reference points for every single one hearing this. And my prayer is that most of your reference points are great and good, but I am also deeply aware that for some of you it's going ting 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 at the moment. You're like what, what, what? praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. Uh, let's pause that. I like the first two. I don't want to be talking about this. Here's my invitation. Let's pray for a moment and ask that we would really see what the word says, because all of us have voices or tunes that we listen to when it comes to this matter. And some of them are legitimate reasons why we are hesitant because of abuse and pain and just environments where it hasn't been healthy. But I want us to really look at the words with fresh eyes today when we talk about this. So I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, will you show us in your word the beauty of what it is to pray in tongues. And if anything, Lord, If there's no desire in our hearts for it, will you please stir a desire? I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read out of 1 Corinthians 14. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth saying, So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Then he says this, For I pray in a tongue, then my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, in other words, with a tongue, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, sing with my tongue, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying. You are giving thanks well enough but no one else is edified. You are giving thanks well enough but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words In a tongue. Here's what Paul is saying. And earlier on in the chapter, actually, chapter 14 opens up with the words, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And then he carries on and says, Now that there is an earnest desire for the manifestations of the Spirit, for the gifts of the Spirit, really desire those who edify the church. Yet there is there are the gifts within the body. That is meant for your own edification, for the building up of self, like praying in tongues. He says, I do pray in tongues, but I also pray with understanding. When I speak in tongues, I pray that there's an interpretation, because the speaking in tongues is not with understanding, and the interpretation brings the understanding. Then the church is being built up, but nowhere here he compares the two and say, the one is at the loss of the other. He's saying, I do pray in tongues. I pray without ceasing. I think I pray in tongues more than all of you guys. But when you speak in the tongue, make sure there's an interpretation. But the praying in tongues is part of his journey. He says, I will pray in the the Spirit and I will pray with understanding. I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing with understanding. So he's talking about two different things. You see, there's the gift of speaking in tongues through the empowering of the Holy Spirit at various times as he wants to. Then there's the interpretation of such tongues, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit, at various times as he desires. Then we also see that these tongues could either be a heavenly tongue, that no one understands, and then the interpretation clarifies the prophetic unction that was made. But then as we know in the beginning when the Holy Spirit was, was baptizing the believers, that they actually spoke in known languages by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. But Paul is speaking about two things here. The speaking and the interpreting, the gifting, but then the practice, the proskenion, the worship of bowing, and that's what I said earlier. He says when I pray in tongues, he said when I you in tongues, that is what he's inviting the church into as well. So he's saying it is better for the church's sake when you gather to do things that blesses and builds up everyone. Yet at the same time, pray in tongues, pray in the spirit. I do it, I do it maybe more than all of you, and I want to encourage you to do that. And for me, it really comes down to the word desire. I think God meets us where our desire is at. That's why he said, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Now, I believe in the beauty, and I want to say that, the beauty of praying in tongues. It's something that the Lord has brought to my life as I was baptized I came out of the water and my mouth was open with a language I've never heard, didn't understand. And even through the years, the Lord has given me different sounding languages to pray in. Just this week, on Monday morning, being on a prayer call on Zoom, I was praying in my tongue with friends across South Africa. Tuesday morning, Ricky and I came together to pray and we didn't know what to pray for at start. And we just, to get in a room and we're reading some scriptures and encouraging one another. And the next moment, I'm like, let's pray pray. We waited on the Holy Spirit, and then we prayed in tongues. And as we prayed in tongues, our understanding kicked in, and we're like, oh, this is what the Lord is leading us into. On Wednesday morning, I was with Dave, praying with Dave for an hour. And when Dave and I started the same story, like we're not sure what we're going to pray for, but we're going to wait on the Holy Spirit. It was quiet for a moment, those, those sighs, and then we prayed in tongues, and the next moment, we had an amazing time of praying together. Thursday morning, Andre and I prayed together here in the office, And the same, we practice this gift of praying in tongues. And here's what I want to encourage you with, is that we've got to find that beautiful balance of praying in the Spirit and praying with truth. Praying with understanding and praying in the Spirit. Because this is what Paul says, they both are available to us. I don't know what's in your heart. It's impossible for me to tell. Only you and God can discern that. Maybe you do pray in the Spirit. Maybe you've neglected to do it. Maybe you are great with praying in the Spirit through the Word and the the wordless groans, but you you are a little bit hesitant praying in tongues. I want to just say something to clear the record. No one in this church will be forced to pray in tongues. But what I do want to say, is I want to lead you to the place of desire. Just like Paul did, I want to say, every nation sounds a waste. Desire this gift, this beauty of praying in tongues, because it's in that place, in that utterance, where we truly partner with our friend, the Holy Spirit, and He intercedes on behalf of us. And sometimes I pray in tongues, and it sounds this way, and sometimes the next day it sounds completely different. But the joy for me is not what it sounds like. The joy for me is not even the power I experience. The joy for me is that there's union with the Spirit in those moments. And I believe that that's the desire that Jesus wants to stir in our hearts once more. That we would be a church that contemplate and adore and intercede and pray through, through prayers of the Word and pray bold prayers of confidence that we would also be a people who are in such union with the Spirit that our mouths could just open up and the Spirit is free to pray through us in this beautiful gift. I want to end with a quick reading from a, word, uh, from a book by Artie Kendall called Word and Spirit. Artie Kendall, for the past 25 years, has been the resident pastor of Westminster Chapel in London, England, an influential church in this community. And he speaks about the personal release of the Holy Spirit. And even in his own journey, stepping into leadership in, a, in an environment where this wasn't celebrated or even practiced, he had to go through this journey. But as I read this, I want to encourage your heart to, to, to say, Lord, stir some desire in me for the fullness of your Spirit. He says this, For many of us, this is the hardest thing of all to do. For some, it might seem unbecoming to talk about releasing the Holy Spirit. But it's true. You see, we bind the Spirit by holding on to our fear or remaining in our comfort zone. He's saying, it's up to us. It's up to our desire and our will to say, Holy Spirit, I desire that fullness. Will you come and release it in me? Simply put, releasing the Spirit is having the courage to do what God tells you to do. Not old voices, not your own voice, but the Word of God. You will know in your heart of hearts what He is putting to you. And then he tells some stories of things that he needed to do in hearing God's voice and releasing the power of the Spirit in his life. He says, I had to invite Arthur Blessed to Westminster Chapel. Arthur Blessed is a guy who's walked through most of the nations of the world with a cross on his back. And, and earlier on in the book, he describes how he invited this guy to his church. And to most people in his church, it, it was a bit of a nutcase scenario. Like, why would you even allow this? But he was hearing God and the Spirit speak to him, so he acted. Listen to this. I had to go to the streets of Buckingham Gate and Victoria personally <laughs> and talk to passersby by about Jesus Christ. I knew I would pay a price, but it was worth it. I had to be willing to sing choruses and modern songs in worship. Stepping into a deeply traditional environment, he had to bring a new era of worship, an unprecedented procedure for us in Westminster Chapel. On June 6, 1982, I had to give my first invitation at the end of a sermon to call people forward to confess their faith, a practice never done in Westminster Chapel before incongruous though it may seem, when I set the Holy Spirit free, I too was set free. And that's the invitation. If we can get to a place, irregardless of tradition, irregardless of of our references, irregardless of our fears, irregardless of the things that hold us back and say, God, what are you saying? I believe we will hear the word and encouragement and the wooing of the Holy Spirit saying, my sons and my daughters, I have this for you. This praying in the Spirit, yes, through the Word, yes, through those silent moments, but also, yes, through spraying in this beautiful gift of the heavenly language. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to set some of you free in this gift. Now, I'm quite aware that you're watching this on a screen, that you might be in an environment that feels limiting that there might be questions that you have in this moment and I'm not going to just say that's it let's pray it's going to happen but I want to invite you to start this journey for the next few moments first of all if there's no desire in your heart for this just maybe pray a bold prayer say Lord I don't have this desire will you help me to desire the fullness of what you have for me Maybe that's where you're at. But maybe you have had the desire and you want that desire increased and you, you desire it and you've been desiring it as I shared the word today and you're at that point where you want to say, Holy Spirit, I, I really want that fullness and I trust you right now and I believe that He is ready to meet you where you are at right now. In the same breath, I want to say that next Sunday night when we gather, this is part of what we want to pray for. We want to pray for one another in the room into this the fullness of the spirit in our prayer life so maybe you have questions this week take them into your small group environments speak to us on the whatsapp channel and we would love to try and and teach you more on this but for now I'm going to get up from this couch and this couch is going to stay just as it is and I'm going to leave the room and the screen will be on this empty couch and I want you to see yourself positioned on the couch and saying Holy Spirit Holy Spirit I make some room for you to come and sit in the lounge of my heart and stir desire and lead me in trust and faith because I've got the knowledge, but help me apply it today in this beautiful gift of praying in the Spirit. Won't you do that for a few moments and let's see what the Holy Spirit do in our midst.